0: There's actually an app right now, I don't want to mention who the sports book is and who they use, but they- Oh, come on. No, 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 I can't do that. Um, (laughs) They are are streaming some sports on video and the odds, the data is changing before the video is changing. So you could actually go on the book and watch and the odds are changing before you see the video. Hmm. I mean, you just can't have three, four, five seconds of delay anymore.
1: Right. That's some good journalism right there, by the way, David. Oh, come on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, very professional.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the latest episode of Wait, What? Sports Biz Chat with D.P. McGee, the podcast where we take a sometimes serious, sometimes cynical and sometimes a reverent look at the business of sports. I'm your co-host, Tim McGee.
2: And I'm David Paro.
1: So let's get right to it. David, what's on your mind today?
2: Well, there's certainly no shortage of you know, fun and exciting, interesting-to-follow sports business stories. Uh, I'm going to start with Chicago and NASCAR. And uh, I'm not one necessarily to plan too far ahead when it comes to my travels, but uh, I think I know where I'm going to be around the 4th of July weekend uh, next year, and that's going to be in Chicago for this uh, first actual road race that uh, NASCAR will be running. It's been a few years since they uh, left Chicagoland Speedway, which is actually down in Joliet, uh, NASCAR that is, and uh, but they announced a, a road race through the streets of Chicago hitting Lakeshore Drive and Columbus Avenue and Michigan Avenue um, two little over two mile course. And, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled for it. Uh, I think it's an extremely exciting and it ties in Tim to what, um, what Jeff Burton was telling us, uh, some weeks ago, uh, when it came to what NASCAR is doing. So again, a big credit to, uh, Steve Phelps, to Steve O'Donnell, to Ben Kennedy, who's been really pushing these type of new, uh, things, Uh, And and Mayor Lori Lightfoot for uh, seeing the opportunity here and and pushing it uh, along, of course, with the Chicago Sports Commission. So just a a really, I think, cool development for the sport and a uh, an exciting opportunity for the drivers and, you know, to bring to. Fans that might not otherwise see this, and 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 before we kind of move on, there's there's one uh, couple people actually in a company I, I wanted to draw some attention to that have been working behind the scenes. were very integral in bringing the i uh, race uh, last year that they did the simulated race of the streets of Chicago, uh, and that's uh, TSMGI founder Jordan Bressler. Uh, and, uh, Tom Crawford, uh, who have worked a lot on this somewhat behind the scenes to uh, make this happen. And, uh, these are, these are guys I, I know well, uh, and they've just done a great job with that company. And this is, uh, and I just wanted to give them a shout out.
1: Well, kudos to them. When you said there were a couple of people you wanted to give a shout out to, yeah. I thought you were going to mention Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch, well. <laughs> who finished, uh, one and two last weekend in Pocono, by the way, uh, that was the race we were supposed to have gone to.
2: That's right, because Steve Laletta said, "Wow, Tim, you you like the tricky triangle," and I guess it yes, was a little it, too tricky for them to manage without trying a, a few angles.
1: Yeah. Well, so first of all, I happened to be driving home from upstate New York that day, so thankfully, I just missed that traffic uh, coming through uh, Route 80 uh, east to the Delaware Water Gap. But um, but uh, yeah, first time in modern nascar history that a winner of the race was disqualified after the race right um and you know gibbs came in one and two with uh denny and, and kyle bush and then uh, subsequently both of them were stripped of their
2: positions and their points yeah it's pretty amazing given how much this sport is known for crew chiefs and teams trying to bend the rules a little bit to get an advantage you know the old saying if you're not if you're you know if you're not cheating you're not trying but this was pretty big, and it you know it it it's not a great look for for Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, your you know your two drivers um, that this happens to, and you finish one too. So they also came out with a very they're not appealing this. Uh, they copped to it very quickly. They tried to explain what happened. And they're moving on. Um, And Chase Elliott was declared the winner who finished third. And I thought his response to it was great, too. He's like, I I don't want the trophy. Denny can keep it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like winning that way. But the the Dawsonville pool, you know, set off the siren uh, because an Elliott won there in Dawsonville, Georgia. So, yeah, it was an interesting day. And a tough thing because Kyle Busch's sponsor, which is Eminem Mars, is leaving the sport after 32 mm-hmm. years. They actually title-sponsored that race, too. So it's just kind of a weird ending to to a lot of these things.
1: Yeah, and I thought that was a really class move by Eminem and the Mars Company to um, to thank the fans for all of those years where they were, you know, with Kyle Busch. So, yeah, it was kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of stinks that, that sort of put a an asterisk on their day. But um, I think they, you know, I thought that was a very nice, Gesture on their part because you know, entitling a NASCAR race
2: is not inexpensive. No, as, as no, we know. No, I agree. I think they're going out with a lot of class. I mean, but this is interesting. One of the top drivers in the sport, as we've discussed before, Kyle Busch, basically doesn't have a ride for next year um, without a without a sponsor, and that just shows you how important sponsorship is to that sport. I, I'm assuming he will he will land somewhere well, and I would yeah. expect that he ends up driving for Joe Gibbs Racing, but we'll have to see. Hey, I had a trivia question for you. Okay. Okay. Um, And it's kind of, you know, the um, the first it's it's easy based on where we've been. The first auto race in the United States took place where I'm going to have to say Chicago. It is. Can you believe it? Yeah. First ever auto race, uh, November 28th, Thanksgiving Day, 1895.
1: Wow, how do you happen to know how many cars participated? Couldn't not too many. not
2: not nearly as many as they anticipated. Apparently, like eleven showed up, only two crossed the finish line. They went from they went from uh, Chicago to Evanston, which is the suburb where Northwestern University is just north uh-huh. of the city and then back. And uh, only two cars won. and uh, it was it was a little ridiculous because apparently there were six inches of snow on the ground, which seems like, <laughs> and this is obviously pre snow tires. So uh, I'm not sure how anyone really, really made it there, but it was, uh, and the average speed, seven miles an hour, really, yeah. Which, so what, which you what can did, almost run that, right? But yeah, speak for yourself. No, no, I couldn't. <laughs> what did
1: uh, What did Jeff Burton call himself? An idiot in a helmet, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the first time an idiot in a helmet raced was the same day. No, <laughs> no snow tires, six inches of snow. Right. So, is there is there any truth to the rumor? That you were consulting to the Arizona Cardinals when they put in that clause in Kyler Murray's contract that he had to study for four hours based on you telling me to prepare better for this podcast. Right? Because you, you know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about, right?
2: I I do, and and I have to tell you this is one of the weirdest stories that I've been reading, and I've never I've never heard of a contract clause receive so much. I've, you know, so many people saying I've never heard of this before. Right. I mean, it it was, it's almost surprising to hear that nobody has ever heard of this before, given that you would think that, you know, that there is an expectation, obviously, when you sign a deal, and that's a pretty important position, you know, that you're committed to to the team and you're, you know, you're showing up to meetings and so forth. But yeah, no, it, it was. Well, and for those was,
1: of you who, those of you who don't know, Kyler Murray recently signed a five-year, $230.5 million contract, of which $160 million was guaranteed, right? So obviously the Cardinals are, are investing heavily in Murray, who's, who's played well the first few years with the team. But one of the stipulations in the contract is, is that he has to do at least four hours of outside preparation work per week, outside quarterback meetings, offense meetings, team meetings, and so forth. And they're actually going to be tracking his iPad usage to ensure, A, that he's, that he's doing that, and B, he's not going to sites that could detract uh, from his focus on studying. So, yeah, it, it's on one hand, they're saying you're our guy. On uh, the other hand, they're saying, but we don't know how seriously you've been taking your preparation that's how i read it anyway
2: no i i think there's certainly something to that I, I mean there's there's no doubt they they must know that one of the pieces that might be missing from him being you know elevating um his status among league quarterbacks is his is that aspect um but they paid him a lot of money so they obviously believe in him and he is a very dynamic uh player um so yeah it, it's 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 somewhat funny to look but it, i think the thing that as I said, it's just struck me as people writing. I've never seen this before. Like this is so, which yeah. just, it's like, wow. And, and I wonder what the, the, the agent's
1: thinking was when he's recommending it to him. Is he, is he saying um, it's going to be very hard for them to get out of this contract, even if it stipulates that, or is he saying, you know, Hey, you know, Kyler, take it to heart, right? You, you know, there, this is the one thing that's preventing you from, rising to the elite level of quarterbacks in the league, who knows, but he's a dynamic young player. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, you have to assume at least in the beginning, they're going to hold him to that. Right. And we'll see if that preparation
2: elevates. Yeah, no, I think that right. There will be that, that fairly easy metric. I certainly believe that it was a, it was, it was probably And we're speculating here, of course, Uh, you know, an internal struggle about how much are we going to pay this guy? How committed are we to them? And some voice in there, um, you know, on the offensive coaching side, you know, saying, listen, here's the one here's the one thing that we have a bit of a concern with. Obviously, I I have to think the agent fought back on having that in there um, just based on, you know, the way these negotiations tend to go. Um, but at the same time, saying, "Listen, you obviously can do this," or you can, you, and they agree that, and the, and and hopefully Kyler Murray saying, "I got this." Of course, if that's if if that's what's going to, you know, the only thing stopping it, yes. Uh, I, and I know I need to do a better job on on that front uh, in terms of game prep. So we'll see. Again, I'm completely speculating here. I, I was not inside that negotiation, but you can kind of see, you know, the different sides of this thing coming yeah. together.
1: And, and and let's not lose sight of the fact that you know his his coach is Cliff Kingsbury who was a very good collegiate quarterback at, at Texas Tech and you know was drafted um but didn't really stick as an NFL quarterback and you know so if anybody knows what it takes to be successful at that position it's a, somebody who's who's played it before right it, it, at the
2: NFL level so you know how could I ever say that you don't prepare for this show um well, speaking of the NFL, a couple weeks ago, when we were talking about uh, who's going to land the Sunday ticket, you you made a comment about you know the NFL could do this themselves, which of course they could have. They're not going to, but they did announce something big, in, in you know in announcing just yesterday, NFL Plus, um, which is a uh, which will show in market games along with national games, um, Sunday nights, Mondays, and Thursdays. Um, that you'll be available through your devices not through uh television and it's you know NFL plus because of course it's NFL plus because that's the only name allowed for streaming services now it seems um but uh it's uh it was it was big news 4.99 a month uh, or 39.99 a year uh to get to, to get this service and this is in advance of them announcing who will win the sunday ticket
1: yeah very similar to the MLB app um in terms of what you get
2: um yeah and and
1: uh the sunday ticket um, youtube now has emerged as a potential better and and interesting i'm not asking it as a question i'm stating it as a piece of trivia that if youtube prevails and gets the sunday ticket package they will pay more than google paid uh for youtube back in i believe it was i want to say 2006
2: uh, when they paid 1.65 billion dollars for YouTube, that's that's a remarkable statistic right there. Um, pretty yeah. pretty amazing to show you the power of of where live sports still resides, and uh, and this is this is all new. These these streaming services or or this form of distribution. Is all new, and this was new information, right? This broke recently that mm-hmm. YouTube had put in a bid or Google had put in a bid, with with YouTube being the, the where it would be distributed. You know, we had been speculating that this decision would be have come already, but now um, this is probably the reason. I think that NFL Plus, along with this, another company or or you know potential distributor in the mix, uh, is why this is delayed, and you know. They may feel like this is nothing but a positive for them. I mean, I, I still expect it fairly soon, but I've been wrong on that so far. Uh, but I'm yeah. still picking Apple, by the way. Uh,
1: I hope it's not YouTube because if I have to be asked one more time if I want that free trial of YouTube TV, I, uh, I, 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 I'm a I YouTube think I would...
2: I'm a YouTube TV subscriber, and I still freaking get it all the time. I'm like, yeah. I, 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 it drives me crazy. I think I I think I'd rather get an AOL disc in the mail god i should have collected all those that i that i had i'd fill a room right yeah you certainly never run out of coasters right um for but sure while we're
1: on while we're on football xfl announced its eight cities
2: it sure did it yeah. sure did and third, scrapped scrapped a couple including new york including new york yeah um,
1: and, uh, yeah third time is a charm or so the rock hopes
2: yeah, I think the market selection uh, makes a fair amount of sense. Uh, Orlando, Vegas, San Antonio are new ones, uh, mm-hmm. and they join Seattle, St. Louis, Arlington, Dallas, Houston, and, uh, and Washington, D.C. So L- in addition to New York, L.A. and Tampa are out.
1: Oh, I, You're going to have to cut this out, but I was going to make the joke that, oh, Washington's getting a professional football team. No,
2: I won't cut that out. <laughs> that's, that's great, <laughs> because with with everything else going on, who knows? Maybe they'll have to. Uh, maybe that will be the partnership that the NFL sees with the XFL that they'll just assume the Washington team over and move yeah. out the uh, Commanders. We haven't talked about them in a while. I'm sure. I'm sure he's in the news. I know he. Ha- of course, he's been in the news. But yeah, live golf. I got nothing. I just
1: wanted to make sh- to keep this streak alive.
2: Well, I I think we'll talk about live golf. Towards the end, there's, there's oh. <laughs> or, yeah, we'll tell <laughs> only on days that end in Y, right? Um, uh, just in terms of things to uh to look to, there are a couple, uh, couple major sponsorship deals that uh, have happened. How do we feel about the sponsorship deals? So, while we're on the NFL, we haven't had a chance to talk about the fact that. Heinz Field, after, you know, a 20-year deal, I believe, uh, is no longer Heinz Field. And it will now be uh yeah. Stadium, uh Akershire being a Grand Rapids based uh insurance company. And uh, you know, listen, this is one of those deals, the Heinz deal, which, you know, Heinz, Pittsburgh, it just all makes sense. Uh, was one of those early deals tied to big companies that were in these mm-hmm. uh in these cities. And Heinz was the natural and it was perfect for the the you know, Pittsburgh fans because Heinz is a is a product that people from uh, from Pittsburgh are certainly proud of. Probably not so crazy about Acershire, but if the if the Steelers are good, they won't care. This is one that has you know kind of stood the test of time, and now it comes up, and the money on these naming rights deals is much bigger, uh, and therefore they're getting. Uh, it's a fifteen year deal, is my understanding, and it's uh, uh, expected that it's well over ten million per. But I don't have the actual number. Um, I think that Heinz was paying about. 57 over the course of a 20-year deal so you can see the increase there
1: wait wait what
2: how much 57 million
1: 57 you know oh. the significant right
2: yes of course that was the okay. how they did the deal yes yes oh, okay yes. sort
1: of like when 711 so, sponsored the White Sox to go back let's come full circle we talk about Chicago again yeah. and they changed the start time to 711 711
2: yes that was a that was a pretty. there were some smart
1: mo- smart sponsorship marketers out there there's well the only on, there's it, unless on, there's one unless, on this podcast and
2: unless it was and me. yeah unless, unless it was uh for that 20-year deal we would like 55 million no we would like to pay 57 <laughs> million for that deal uh to make it right so well, i've done deals um, like that oh, not even on purpose <laughs> <laughs> right not my money right <laughs> So and it looks like we have a, a pretty significant uh, patch deal.
1: Yeah, the on Boston the baseball Red side stocks, right, have become uh, I think the term is stalking horse. Is that uh yeah, would that's that a be perfect
2: the perfect term for this? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So 17 million per year, 10-year deal with Mass Mutual, Boston-based financial firm, right? So now the bar has been set. And I think we talked about, it, if not last week, a couple of weeks ago, that Boston would be in the top five. Right along with the Mets, Yankees, Dodgers, and Cubs, right among right. among the teams that will get the most for their past deals, the figure I'm hearing that the Yankees and through Legends are going to market at is 25 million yeah. per. Um, I think that I think that's going to be the highest. L.A. might might be there, uh, depending on who they get. You know, especially maybe if it's a an Asian firm um but i, I think that the dodgers and the yankees will be you know, at, at you, the top you
2: know you raise a good the yankees are going to get the yankees are going to get the most there's no doubt in my mind about that and they they you know all of these other teams were celebrating certainly these big market teams were were celebrating that the the mets and the yankees i think were celebrating this number uh and and the dodgers and the angels because of the otani situation although um, he may not be there
1: <laughs> there's talk about him being on the trading block
2: well, whoever he goes to will have a very good patch yeah. deal in place.
1: Yeah, I would I would think so.
2: But yeah, I mean, listen, the, the Red Sox certainly were going to be one of the big ones, but it's, you know, the market itself is as important as Boston is. It's not up there with New York. and It's not up there with L.A. and size wise right. with Chicago. And so, listen, if the, if
1: the deal starts now, right, and they get a two to three month jump on any of their competitors, I'm not saying they will, but, you know, there's there's a significant time value of money for getting that deal done earlier right. rather than later. Sure, right? sure. You get that money in, in sooner rather than later it goes to work for you.
2: Listen, no one's no you know if the Yankees get 25, you know the folks that uh, you know the folks with the Red Sox um, shouldn't you know aren't aren't going to be worried that they that they went too soon on this. I agree with you. They, they 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 took it and certainly sets the primers and it'll be interesting to see as they fill in where they slot. All right, we're excited to welcome Jed Korenthal into the Sports Biz Chat. Jed is the Chief Marketing Officer at Phoenix Real-Time Solutions. And we're going to let him provide the detail of Phoenix's service, since I would most likely do a hatchet job on that. But anyway, Jed has a rich history in the sports and entertainment space, including stops at Sony Music, the NFL, and the AVP, where he served as the Chief Revenue Officer. Uh, He even co-founded digital platform MIMO before landing at Phoenix. Uh, Full disclosure, I have worked closely with Phoenix and Jed, uh, having brought them into the year called football world. uh, I was involved with for a while, and I'm a big fan of what they do and how they do it. Uh, One more thing. Jed's a kick-ass drummer, so there's that, too. Um, Welcome, Jed.
0: (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to me. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, Tim and David. Good to be here.
2: Thank you. Thanks. So we're going to start right from the beginning here um, and give you a chance to uh, tell us— and our listeners, what Phoenix does and what makes you unique.
0: Sure. Um, so our founder who founded the company about, uh, oh goodness, eight and a half or so years ago, almost nine years ago,
2: had a vision
0: of streaming the opening ceremonies of the Olympics to a billion people around the world simultaneously. So that's sort of you know the, the, the mantra of us, if you will, and what we've done is is build a platform that enables content owners, anybody that has content rights to content, to stream their video um, in real time. And we use the term real time rather than live because there is a difference. Live technically uh, comes with a, a delay of some sort, um, anywhere from if you're watching just pure broadcast could be seven to 15 seconds, on or on most other platforms anywhere from 20 to 60 seconds Um, so we deliver the stream uh, in a half a second and we do that anywhere in the world around the world Um, we do it at scale which is not such an easy chore when you're talking about three four five hundred milliseconds of latency uh, and we've been able to prove scale to four five six hundred thousand people at once and we also do it with some ip we call SyncWatch, which is Uh, basically allows the stream to synchronize across all devices. So if the three of us were watching a game on a mobile device, a laptop and a TV, all of us would be watching it at the same, essentially the same time. And so what that does is um, it avoids the sort of, hey, have you seen that great touchdown catch? That was amazing. And you haven't seen it yet. Um, So that's the, you know, the spoiler effect, if you will is uh, is where the synchronous viewing comes in. It's a, a technical term referred to as drift. And it's it's kind of overlooked because most people talk about, if they know the term latency or delay, they know that there's a delay between, you know the field and this and the and the device that you're you're watching it on. Um, but most people don't realize that there's also this delay between users, this drift between users. So you know that in our mind is is almost as important. Uh, as just the latency itself.
1: When you talk about latency, why is it important to an average sports viewer? And I think I know the answer to the follow-up for that is, why is it important to people that aren't sports?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, Tim, you're right. I mean, here's the thing. So I think a couple of years ago, um, people just sort of accepted the fact that The way that the the kind of legacy technology that everybody in the broadcasting community uses and pretty much everybody uses, um, you know, comes with this delay of 20, 30, 40, 50 seconds. And that's just sort of the way it is. Um, Nobody really came up with a better mousetrap. So, you know, if it ain't fixed, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of a thing. Um, But that has since changed. And there are now solutions where you can and deliver the stream with little to no latency and why that's important um there are a number of reasons or factors as to why um for one there's the obvious which is just a plain better user experience um there's just there's no need to watch a game being delayed uh it used to be not an issue you didn't have a choice but now there is so that's the one but the more probably the more important issues are uh, revolve around interactivity. Anytime that you want to interact with the content, um, whether it be a trivia game or a quiz or a prediction game or a poll or whatnot, um, anytime you want to interact with other people watching the content, whether it be you know watching together a watch party or anything along those lines, you know, even a two or three second delay is just is just unacceptable. It just ruins the experience. So, you know, you you hit you hit upon the 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 holy grail of interactivity, and that is sports betting. Ever since possible was overturned, you know, we've seen obviously a completely different mindset of of where this is going. But it's not just betting; it's just being able to interact with each other and with the content that. Just, you know, just makes the current streaming technology not conducive for a good user experience.
2: Yeah, I've always felt that the, the not that it's not important and obviously huge revenue streams in the betting space, but the the concept of engagement via viewing is so much larger yeah. uh, than the betting experience because there are a lot of people and it, it, say it's a 70-30 situation where maybe 30%, I don't even think it's that high are betting actively. There's 70% that might like to be engaged in certain ways. Um, talk, if you could, a little about what are the other barriers to moving through this? I mean, we have a, the standard broadcast delay that people think of as a profanity delay, right, in, in regular sports viewing. Are there other barriers or, or powers that be that stop us from our regular sports viewing moving more toward being able to actually do this in complete real time in a way that companies like yours and i think you guys are a real leader in this space are able to do
0: yes uh the, the way that the technology um just you know a two-second primer so there's really sort of two protocols that have that have dominate that dominate the streaming landscape one is uh, something called hls which stands for http live streaming it's an apple-based product that was developed i don't know 20 19, 18 20 years ago and um and all of the, you mentioned all the broadcasters use a form of HLS because it was built to, well, it wasn't even built for video. It was built for data storage originally, but it has been pressed to service for, uh, for video. And the reason why most everybody uses it is because it was proven, uh, it had a proven ability to scale to large audiences. So if you're CBS or NBC or whoever, you know, or Fox streaming the Super Bowl, and you're going to start to stream to three, four, five million people obviously you can't have a a technology that breaks down and it's got to be able to reach that many people. So HLS, you know, part of the workflow uses what's known as a content delivery network or a CDN. Um, Big companies like Akamai and and Limelight and Fastly and whatnot are all examples of CDNs. And what these broadcasters have done is they've built what's referred to as a multi-CDN approach. So if, you know, if, if, if something goes down on the East coast while the game is on, you're not going to lose your stream because they have three or four different CDN streaming the game. Um, So if one breaks, you know, they just, it just kind of seamlessly moves to the other. Um, But that's, again, that's, you know, kind of the old school mentality. Um, As an example, how we counter that, we have what's known as a multi-cloud approach. Because we stream so fast, we don't use a CDN. We sort of, Um, kind of serve as our own CDN and handle all of that content uh, delivery ourselves. But we do use cloud capacity from companies like Google and Oracle and Azure and Amazon and the list is long. So um, what what they do on a multi-CDN approach to ensure that they have a reliable stream, we do with multiple cloud partners. So if, for example, if Fox was streaming the Super Bowl using our technology and Google had an outage on the East Coast, no problem. We just, we would switch, just like they switch on another CDN, we switch to another cloud provider. And all users on the East Coast would have no idea what happened. The stream wouldn't be interrupted for a, a frame. So they'd have no clue and it would just move on. So those barriers, as you alluded to, are not are really no longer barriers in our mind,
2: well, I'm not even talking about technical barriers as much as you know barriers of of you know people not wanting it to be that case, uh, you know to be able to because of the protection of the model that exists right now in terms <laughs> right. of how we distribute. I don't know you may not want to go there, but
0: no, 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 you you make a valid point. I mean, you know, it's not the easiest pill to swallow when you walk into you know an office at mbc and you say okay well we're phoenix we have you know 60 people (laughs) and our technology is better than what you have um that's not that easy you know for anybody to swallow i mean they've got you know countless people working on on these streams and production and equipment and you know who knows what else so um most of the time the people that we speak to, they know it, you know, they know that the broadcast technology isn't as good as what real time can deliver. Um, but making that switch isn't the easiest thing. And candidly to your point, we may not want to go there, but you know, they need to see the business upside. What is, what is switching from what they have to real time due to their bottom line? Um, and I would say, you know, two or three years ago, it was a little bit harder to prove that. Um, but now I don't think it's as hard because of engagement, as you alluded to, and because of interactivity, and certainly because of betting. Um, you know, there's just, there's really, there's kind of no use case that doesn't exist now for real time streaming. So so
1: along those lines, given, given that you're delivering a real time experience to viewers, is that raising the bar for broadcasters? Are our fans and and other stakeholders, are they going to start to demand that uh, that broadcast delay go away? Right.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, certainly we hope so. Uh, we we feel like they should. Um, but I will tell you, you know, a couple of years ago, you'd get a very scattered, you know, complaint on LinkedIn or or Twitter or whatnot about, hey, my stream failed, or what's going on here with this stream, you know, it didn't really work well. Um, I think most of us remember the McGregor uh, Mayweather fight when, you know, 200,000 people were trying to join the stream and it broke down. They ended up, I think, I don't know, one of them was one of those or the golf stream, they gave it away for free. Um, so, you know, the, the, those are things that, you know, happen fewer and far between. But now that's not the case. They're happening much more often. And even on social media, we track and our PR agency tracks, um, you know, what's happening after a game or streams or whatnot, certainly the bigger events. And what used to be, you know, tens of people going on social is now hundreds, and even in some cases, thousands starting to complain about their stream. And why am I paying $4.99 for this when it's not working? I'm a minute behind, you know, my friend or something like that. So um, I think that, Tim, you know, we believe it's it's not an if, it's a when. Um, and just the timing has to be right. I mean, we can't, you know, we can bring the horse to water. We can't make him drink. They, they know our technology. We've met with every broadcaster there is. They know what we have. They probably realize they're going to have to make the switch at some point. But, you know, it's it's a question of when.
1: And just a quick follow up on that. Are, are you getting more complaints simply because there's more people
0: adopting the technology? No, or... I think it's just more people are starting to get fed up with delay. Gotcha, gotcha. I think it's just people are starting to say, wait a second, you know, why am I, why is my stream delayed? It's like, you know, and I also think there's an awareness of it. You know, a couple of years ago, you know, I don't think the general public knew what latency meant or they, they, they I mean, I talked to my friends who are not in the business. They have no idea what I'm talking about when I say to them, but when I say to them, you know, hey, didn't you watch that stream and your friend was, you know, 20 seconds behind you? They all know what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, they just don't know what it's called. So, you know, more and more people are understanding what it actually is.
2: Yeah. And the fact that more people are engaged, whether it is through betting or other forums or through just following on social media, there's a reason exactly. to do it. So that communication between people is more frequent. And then they're understanding that they're not seeing it more often. I mean, I, I have to do that yeah. when I'm communicating with people and I'm like, listen, you're 15 seconds ahead of me. Shut the up.
0: Originally, I don't know if you remember a bunch of years ago, I think Twitter was the first platform that actually streamed an NFL game. And they were behind. So what they did, nobody really knows Is is that they had to hold back their tweets. Because if they didn't, then people would start to tweet about the result of the play or a game or whatnot. There's actually an app right now. I don't want to mention who the sports book is and who they use. but Oh, they, come on. No, no, no. I can't do that. Um, <laughs> they are They are streaming some sports on video. And the odds the data is changing before the video is changing. So you could actually go on the book and watch and the odds are changing before you see the video. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just can't have three, four, five seconds right. of delay anymore.
1: Right. That's some good journalism right there, by the way, David. Oh, come on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Very <laughs> professional.
1: <laughs> I can't uh, believe Chad didn't tell us I, after that.
2: I'm pretty sure it's used by uh, by Woodward and Bernstein and uh, <laughs> uh, with Deep Throat. Yes. Um, but I will say this that i think it is good advice for a lot of people to hold their tweets um as as twitter did i think holding your tweet would be advisable for a lot of people they did it years yeah Yeah. well i'm just saying that for a lot of people holding their tweet maybe even me yeah um don't drink and tweet right so real quick when 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 i was had the opportunity to work with with phoenix we were delivering a product where fans actually called the plays of an actual real-time football game called the plays, and it all happened in real time. They're seeing it, they're calling it, and all of this took place in the in the time of a normal um, play clock for a football game, and it worked. Never, never didn't work. I still believe it was a little bit before its time, maybe. But if you look at that type of uh, program that you worked on, you know, and helped prove the concept, mm-hmm. what other things are you looking at? Beyond the just even the the major broadcasting of sports, uh, where you see the technology really having strong application.
0: One of the things that we've been doing the last two years with our client Verizon, um, as well as part of the other side of their business, which Edgecast and now called Edgio, is working with some of the major leagues: the NFL, NBA, NHL, WNBA. Um, more recently, we did an F1 race in Miami. We did the Indy 500, streaming all those all those games and races using a uh, uh, something that we call multicam or multi-view feature. And what it does is it allows the fan to, on their mobile device, watch the game or the race from up to seven different camera angles so imagine if you're at the f1 race in miami and you're you know at the hard rock stadium the race is you know god knows where the ninth turn is um you can't see that because they are not in the stadium so you can watch the race in real time from any angle you know from from multiple cameras that we have um, that are all synced up and are all in real time so um we did it with as i said with with the Super Bowl and and a bunch of NFL games and NBA games and races and whatnot. So um, it's become a really cool feature that you really can only use if you're streaming in real time. Because even switching from portrait to landscape, which seems like no big deal, that's what you do when you watch something. It's very it's very difficult to not lose a frame when you make the transition from side to. To you know, from landscape to portrait, Um, it's not that easy technology. So, um, you know, we've been able to create that. We actually have a patent on it. So, if you're using that, we're going to sue you, David. Just be be
2: careful. Uh, (laughs) um, And and um, (laughs) can I say, oh, come on again? I think that would be appropriate in this in this (laughs) matter as well.
0: Um, So yeah, it's been it's been a pretty popular feature. We did something last year with with Yahoo Sports for their draft. Uh, fantasy draft we um, embedded a video chat kind of watch party or watch together feature in the draft so you didn't have to open a separate chat app to trash talk with your friends as you're going through the draft it was all in one application things like that are what we do
1: we we have built in latency into this podcast actually before every time we turn on the record button david says just stop and think before you say something stupid (laughs) It doesn't so he, work, but it's
0: going to be deleted out. Is that what you're saying? Well, no. you know, he has the, uh, you know, he can
1: edit anything except my mistakes. No. Those somehow stay in the broadcast. Yeah.
2: Our show would be nothing without our dumb comments, Tim. What are you talking <laughs> about?
1: That's true. It'd be a 15 minute podcast. Right.
2: So, so, um, where are going for? If you're looking
1: out over the next one, three, five years, Jed, where's the biggest opportunity for a company like Phoenix in real time streaming?
0: Uh, I think the opportunity for us um, is uh, is kind of in the betting and gaming space. The there's been a lot of attention in this country to sports betting, and there's I think 33 states now plus DC that have passed laws uh, legalizing some form of of sports betting, mostly on mobile, which is only matters if it's on mobile, frankly, in my opinion. Um, But what has kind of gone under the radar is what's referred to as iGaming or internet gaming or live table gaming or live casino gaming, however you want to call it. Um, Basically, you know, bingo, blackjack, poker, whatever, live on your device with a dealer, with a real, you know, a dealer in, you know, in a live dealer that you're playing against. There's only five or six states in the U.S. that have passed those laws. So they're a little bit behind the sports betting um, vertical, but there are many, there are many of uh, many out there that believe that over time, that business, the iGaming business, will actually um, overtake the sports betting business. It is a very, it's a multi-billion-dollar business overseas in Europe, and we've got a couple of clients that do that. But the the opportunity is tremendous um going forward so i think those you know sports betting clearly and i also think this sort of i gaming space is going to be a big opportunity
2: so basically you're taking what is you know people playing online games poker yeah. blackjack yeah. whatnot right. but poker being, being so what, huge, what happens huge
0: these, yeah these casinos they they and have a warehouse yeah. in like malta or you know wherever and they have literally a thousand tables And each table has a dealer. It's like a two camera shoot and you're you're playing against that dealer. But so is a hundred thousand other people playing against that dealer. You don't see everybody, you know, you're watching and you're playing against that dealer, but the the ability to play, you know, multiple hands against multiple play, you know, multiple dealers um, all at once, you know, really it it takes advantage of what our technology is, is sort of all about.
2: So, if you if you think about it in terms of uh, regular broadcast of of existing sports that people are loving, and the you know the the networks are still paying top dollar for it to capture the rights, mm-hmm. is your is your expectation perhaps hope is that that if they're not if they're still distributing it in the way they are, there will ultimately be a betting almost like a another screen experience that absolutely is delivering it in real time to enable this type of, uh, engagement.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is definitely a possible path. Um, I mean, as an example, NFL plus just came out and, you know, they've got two tiers. I would argue in their premium tier, or maybe there's even a premium plus tier where you get the games in real time and you get interactive features like multi view and watch party and connect with your friends and things of that nature. So yes, I do look to your point earlier in the, in, in the, in in this recording is how many people still want the betting experience it's still a smaller percentage versus the general public but for those people who do want the betting experience they want the betting experience and they'll do what it takes so yes there i i do see a day where there's a second feed that is in real time and is caters to the betting different announcers different graphics odds etc i mean could you see a day with NBC and points bet because they have this relationship where you know the second feed uh, provides those who are interested the ability to turn on the betting stream, if you will, and watch you know from David and Tim giving you the the broadcast with the odds and and being able to take bets right in the broadcast And if you don't want it, you turn it off. no problem.
1: So if, if I'm a content creator, Um, and I want, I want to stream my, my content, right? A game, an event, tournament, whatever it happens to be. Tell us why Phoenix is a better alternative to uh, a YouTube or a Facebook live or other, other options that are out there.
0: Sure. Uh, look, I mean, I think the biggest, probably the biggest reason is if you go direct to consumer, you own everything. You own the data, you own all the revenue. If you want advertising, which we can offer in the streams, um, if you, you know, those are things that you can get some of from those other platforms, uh, but not all of. And what you also get is uh, a, an unsynchronized, is that a right word? Is that the right word? Unsynchronized?
2: It's fine with
1: us. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is f- it, it is in fact a, a real world.
2: Okay, you so go. you get
0: an unsynchronized stream with those other platforms. So even if they figure out, you know, and, and some of them have been able to get uh, their latency down a little bit uh, by using some newer HLS technology, but um, certainly not down to where we are. You're going to get streams that are delayed and you're going to get an unsynchronized stream. So you're starting from a point of disadvantage. In our opinion. Plus, you don't own the data, you don't own all the data, you don't own all the revenue. And yes, do you have to build up your fan base over time? Yep, that's gonna, it's gonna require some investment in marketing um, to do that. But you know, we believe that for someone who's starting out in the long run, own it and and know who your consumer is. And this way you can market to them in ways that you know, you couldn't necessarily do with YouTube or Facebook or or the others.
2: We are going to go to our final couple questions here, Jed. Uh Okay. And we've had great answers on these. So we... A little scary. You you should be. We expect big things. We're expecting big things. The bar is high. Okay.
1: You make it sound like it's the final segment of Miss
2: America or something, David. <laughs> can I call that's, a friend on these? That's exactly how I viewed it, McGee. <laughs> I don't have any lines here. That's, that's just odd. You can you can yeah, you can text you can him. phone a friend. You can.
0: Oh, yeah. Phone a friend. All right, good.
2: So <laughs> the first one is
0: that started. Well, I was in the entertainment business, as you know, I was in the music industry for a long time at Sony. And at Sony, I wrote a business plan um, to create a sports marketing, uh, sports sales and marketing department within Sony. So it was, um, I kind of, uh, I was friendly with and and presented this to the head of, at the time, which was a, a Sony Ventures unit. And he liked the idea and kind of allowed me to be sort of an entrepreneur within this monolith of Sony. Um, so, what we, you know, the goal of it was to work across Sony business units, music, pl- uh, electronics, PlayStation games, et cetera, and pitch those business units to corporate America. Um, so, we did a lot of deals with Nike and Sprint at the time and UPS and the NBA. And then I did one with the NFL. Um, and lo and behold, they recruited me to help uh, oversee integrated marketing, which I did for almost four years.
2: Yeah, that's a great story, and certainly starting out at Sony and then moving into sports, kind of combining those uh, those loves of yours. Yes, my two passions. And then, lastly, give us a piece of advice for people looking to get into the sports business.
0: Yeah, I, I would say, and and you know, I've actually said this to my son who's in college; he's a senior. You know, your first job isn't your last job and it's maybe not your best job but take the job (laughs) whatever that might be and if you're if follow your passion because as someone who's younger you're going to have to pay dues no matter what industry no matter what area you're in i mean when you start out you're kind of a pair of hands so especially in sports or music or any of the arts you're it's not like you're starting out as a lawyer or a doctor or something you know you're you really are kind of the dregs of the bottom of the barrel. Um, but that's okay because you're young and you have a pair of hands to to use. So take the job, whatever that might be, and get into the industry um, that you have a passion for. And then show your worth and and be different. and don't be afraid to be different and work your ass off and do the research and be prepared, and you know be smart about what you're doing you just, you just can't be, you have to, you have to, you have to step up, you know, and, um, if you do that, then I think you will advance. I mean, I have kind of an old school belief that if you work hard, you will, you know, it will happen. It's happened for me. So I, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't happen for anybody else.
2: Yeah, we appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Very, uh, very good advice. And we appreciate you coming on with us, Jed. It's been great, uh, been great catching up. We appreciate you taking time. We learned a lot.
0: It's good to be here.
2: So big thanks to Jed Kornthal for jumping on with us to discuss streaming technology and how it is and will be impacting the sports industry. But we have come to the time of the show where we like to look ahead. So, Tim, I'm going to throw it over to you. What do you have your eyes on? So a
1: couple of things, but first I just want to say lest anybody thinks I, I made that word up or I I just backed up Jed, uh, when he said it. According to Merriam Webster, unsynchronized, an adjective, not operating or happening at the same time, not synchronized. For example, unsynchronized clocks. <laughs>
2: so, I just assumed that was coming right out of your Cornell education.
1: <laughs> so what am I looking forward to? A couple of things. It looks like the conversations between the Pac-12 and the Big 12 uh, are off, at least for now. So we'll see if they restart. Um, I have started to read some reports that things aren't as dire for the Pac-12 as they might have first appeared when USC and UCLA announced they were leaving. Um, So we're going to be following that. Also going to continue to follow as we get closer to the trading deadline in baseball, what happens to teams that may very well be facing Toronto in the playoffs? Do they trade for guys who heretofore have not been vaccinated? So the most recent example, and the reason I, I thought about this, the most recent example is um, the Cardinals are going north of the border to play the blue Jays and two of their best players, Paul Goldschmidt and uh, Nolan Arenado, um, Neither one is going to make the trip because neither one has been vaccinated. Now, you may be willing to take that risk that Toronto's not going to make it to the world series. But if you're an American league team, do you take that risk that a guy is not going to be able to cross the border with you, um, to play in a playoff game. Um, so I'm going to be watching that. And then, uh, before I hand it over to you and ask what you're looking for, I want to give two shout outs. One is to my friend, Tom Glick, who was just announced as president of uh, Chelsea football club. So congratulations, Tom going back across the pond. Um, Many of you know that Tom was previously with uh, Derby, and then after that was with City Football Group, came back to the United States and now he's going back to London. And then a big thank you to a friend, a lifelong friend, John Canaris from Oxy at Time. Um, I made some introductions for John. He has a fantastic um, watch company um, and he thanked me with one of their uh, Swiss swiss made timepieces. Um, so if you're in the market for uh, a watch, go to oxiatime.com. It's a, it's an unbelievable product. So, Now, what about you, David? Nice. Well, a oh, couple about, things. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I just stepped on you again. I apologize. It is a Cornell lacrosse watch. So we're going to get that Cornell reference in there. There you go. Before Good. the end of the show.
2: There there you go. Well done. Uh, I think that's the whole goal of the show is to see who could be more unique and interesting with their alma mater drops. <laughs> um, listen. You you jokingly said live golf earlier in the show. And the only thing I wanted to say, and because it's going to probably happen this week, is Charles Barkley has set a deadline of Thursday for make, for seeing if he's going to be in the live consideration. He is supposed to be playing in the Pro-Am this week, and he expects to get an offer, I guess, from Greg Norman. Now, the big question I have is, how many freaking announcers do they need on these on these broadcasts? Because they had a full... Slate of announcers, but they've signed Faraday. They're in talks with McCord and supposedly in talks with Barkley. Uh, anyway, that that is going to be interesting because it's you know Turner's going to have something to say about that. I would imagine. Uh, I think I'm sure they already have. Yeah. Um, anyway, we we um, uh, we have that to look at this week, I guess.
1: Yeah, Mark Mark Perman is a former colleague of mine at IMG, who's representing Sir Charles for many many years, and there's no better guy. In, in the athlete representation business than Mark Perman, um, and certainly has done very well by his client, uh, Charles Barkley. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, also, Brittany Griner is going to have some court appearances uh, this week, so we may be hearing more in terms of the, the way the defense will be played out. But you know, given all that, and I don't mean to make light of this in any way, but I am curious to see what Type of jail time that this chess playing robot is going to be seeing after he he broke the finger of the kid in the chess match in uh, in Russia, like a seven year old. I mean, I'm like that seems to me one hell of a lot bigger offense than uh, having a very small amount of hashish oil uh, in your bag. But a robot is not a uh, an international pawn. So um, I, I see what, what you did me, there talking yeah. about
1: chess, and then
2: work very very well done (laughs) thank you oh one other thing I wanted to now I'm doing it right uh I I did want to say something because we can get a chance to talk about it up front um the world uh, uh athletics championship was was played on U.S. soil or you know competed on for on U.S. soil for the first time in its existence going back to the to the 70s um and it was a huge undertaking and you know nike's legendary founder phil knight was very involved in this it was a great show if you caught any either on peacock or nbc and they did a great job with it um we dominate this meaning the u.s dominates that to all our international listeners that's what i meant there but it didn't make as much noise as i guess i wished it would have uh but there were some amazing performances and 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 the great great legend um Allison felix uh i think is finally saying her goodbye and she went out with two more medals, one bronze and one gold, giving her a total of 20. She didn't even actually run in the four by uh, 400 um, final, but she helped them get into it. And she was she had already left the thing. They called her up and said, we need your help. She said, fine, I'll come back up and do it. Just an absolute legend. But there were also some amazing performances by other young athletes, Cindy McLaughlin, Noah Lyles, um, uh, A Thing Moo, Um, two of those people, by the way, both, uh, Sydney and, uh, McLaughlin and Mo are both New Jersey people, Tim. Um, Mm. so I thought you'd like to hear that anyway. I just wanted to give a shout out to that because it really was a cool event. I don't know if it's just people don't care about, about track and field until Olympics time. There seemed to be a little, uh, you know, not, not many people knowing about it went on, but they put on a heck of a show there in Eugene and the broadcast I thought was quite good.
1: Yeah. And, and, uh, I think you're right. I think you're spot on. Right. It's uh, it's one of those sports where the where the eyes of of America tend to turn to it every four years. But I, I did read an article where USA track and field is is going to be doing more to sort of build interest in the you know years leading up to the 2028 games in in L.A. And, um, you know, this was this was obviously a great kickoff for, for that effort.
2: Yeah, because we don't need Sebastian Coe trash talking talk U.S. track and field anymore. He seemed to be kind of, you know, saying he's the president of World uh, Athletics. Um, he seems to have way too many jobs. That guy, but he is pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Tim. Thanks. I thought that was a very informative show. I, I feel like I know a bit about the streaming space, but uh, damn, if I didn't learn a lot more there talking to Jed. So thank you to to uh to Jed Korinthal of Phoenix Real Time Solutions for joining us today. Um, mostly, obviously, thank you for listening. Um, if you like what you hear, please share us, like us. Feel free to give us a five star review, like Tim's Uber drivers always give him, um, as we know <laughs> from last week. And uh, and be sure to follow us on uh, on Twitter at DP and McGee. Feel free to DM mean things to us. We don't really care. We, we said it before. We can take it. We'd just love to hear from you. Speak so for un- yourself. I'm <laughs> going to check my direct message. Come on. You mean? We, we have a whole segment on, on mean tweets, <laughs> mean DMs. So until next week, I'm DP. He's McGee, and we will talk soon.